It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Sunday evening, especially when your town, your team, your Philadelphia Union, the 2020 Supporter Shield champions of the world. They are world champions. World fucking champions, as Chase Utley once said. Actually, that's not true. They're not world champions. They just had the best regular season uh, record in Major League Soccer in the middle of a global pandemic, but it is no less of an achievement for a team that has won nothing before. This is their very first trophy in franchise history. I'm uh, very happy for everybody uh, involved in the club and for all the fans who have suffered through 115 uh, prior podcasts with us. Uh, to finally reach this point. And uh, joining us to talk about it is somebody who's been on the program twice before. We would call him a friend of the program. It's Matt Ralph from the Brotherly Game Region. Joining us, Matt Ralph, what's going on, my man? Hey, uh, it's good to be here. Uh, I was actually, your name came up in my last interview of the night. So at the stadium outside, I was talking to some fans and some people mentioned you. And I said, actually, I have to go because I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to drive home and uh, be on uh, Kevin Kevin Kincaid's podcast tonight. Uh, great night to be on. Why did they? Why did they name me? That should have been the last thing that was on their mind. It should have been some <laughs> celebrating. The, <laughs> some well, I think he was, he was talking about something. He was like, "Yeah, it was a point that Kevin had made on a recent podcast or something." Oh, oh okay, like, all right, all right. Well, that's that's good. I was going to say um, at this point um, before we get into it, I just want to kick it to Ray Gaddis. He's going to share some words with us. Hey, 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 hey! I just want to say this, hey. Good things happen in Philadelphia, first and foremost. Let's keep it real. <laughs> I just share that because I was laughing when I heard that because it reminded me of Kawhi Leonard going, uh, uh, he was like, uh, 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 <laughs> they, won, like, they won the title or whatever the hell that was when the Raptors won the title. But I'm just like, I'm laughing and I'm smiling because I'm just um, – like, I'm just so happy for these guys, you know? I mean, it's such a long time coming, and we joke about all the podcasts we've done where we talked about this blown lead or this loss or Raiz and Bowley or Nick Sakevich and, you know, all the crap that this franchise has gone through over the years to see um, – I'm not sure if it looked like this to you, but it just looked to me like there was a weight that sort of came, like, collectively off their shoulders to see Jim's not really an emotional guy to see him fist pump after the second goal – um, Jay Sugarman to say the words that he said to see how much it meant to Ray Gaddis and Alejandro Bedoya and the guys who were on the field for the U.S. Open Cup losses. Um, I mean, that was my main takeaway. It just it looked like it meant a lot to them. Is that uh, what, what did you, what did you see from the from the celebrations? Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, I was uh, I was I was one of the people stand not in the press box. I was like standing out on the deck whatever you call it, the ale house deck or something like that. And, yeah, yeah. But it got a good view of, you know, sort of the crowd in front and, 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 and the, you know, the celebration. And, you know, someone had said to me that, you know, there was that kind of question, like how, how big of a deal are they going to make about this? Right. Like, you know, we haven't experienced this before. So, you know, how, how big of a deal. And the, the, t- the takeaway for a lot of people was like, this is a really big deal. Like, you know, they, you know, they won, like you said, I mean, this is a trophy that's awarded every year to the team that finishes with the best regular season record. I mean, in Europe, that's a championship. And I think Ernst Steven kind of was like, Oh, I guess there's, there's more to play for. Right. Like kind of, you know, an yeah. Ernst type joke. Right. <laughs> well, I was um, wondering if they were, I was wondering if they were going to downplay it and to do the, what's the angle that they do like, well, we've got more, there's more to do or there's un, unfinished business or whatever right, the, hell right. the, the cliche is, you know? Yeah. But it, you know, but it's, it's, I mean, first of all, there's there's still uncertainty around what's going to happen next, right? In terms of, 
you know, cases are, are spiking and games yeah. have been canceled. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty. And so it's like, you know, they won the league. I mean, they really did. Like there's no, yes, you could talk about how all the teams they didn't play or how many times they played the revs for, <laughs> for crying out loud. Yeah, what percentage of points came, came from playing the revs? <laughs> <No, no. laughs> but, but, but all that aside, I mean, they won. I mean, I, you know, I, was, I was talking to someone after the game and I said, you know, there was a there was a point in the season where we weren't sure that they were going to get 23 games, right? Yep, like, yep. like oh, maybe there'll be a 16 game season, or maybe they'll start playing and then they'll have to they'll have to just you know spike the whole thing, or maybe they'll get an MLS's back and that's it. And you know they made it this far and they won a trophy and it's a significant trophy. And I, you know, sure we're going to look back and say that was the COVID season, but they want it, man. Like it's, it's, it's in, it's in Philadelphia and Chester. Um, I mean, I, I saw it, you know, uh, Matt, uh, the sons of bed president and just, Oh, that was uh, cool. They got a ton of TV. Got time. To take it out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, dude, it was, it was, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that they're treating it as a big deal. Um, because it was a big deal. It's the first trophy in franchise history. It, it goes into your trophy case and it doesn't come out or, well, you don't, I don't guess you don't get to keep the shield, but you know what I mean? Like figure figuratively meaning it's like yeah. once you have secured that first trophy, I mean like it's, it's only, you know, sky's the limit from here. And um, you know, you can talk about the asterisk all you want. And like, when I say that there's an asterisk that goes on it, or when you say that, or anybody says, says that nobody's like saying that to like demean the accomplishment or yeah, say that no it's way. not an accomplishment or that it means anything less. It's just, it's a different kind of accomplishment. You had a different path. Obviously you can only play the teams that are in front of you. We know that it was a COVID season. And it is what it is, you know. Um, I, you know, it's interesting because we were going to celebrate like crazy if they won the 2014 Open Cup, 2015 Open Cup, 2018 Open Cup. But in that case, you only had to beat – like what was the path to get there? Beat Harrisburg at home, beat the Cosmos <laughs> at home, beat like New England at home, beat Chicago on the road, and then win they the They played final. a lot of home games, yeah. Yeah, they played a bunch of home games. So no, nobody can tell me like it, it, it would be corny if, if anybody – I don't think there are any of these people. This might be a straw man argument, but just for the sake of, sake of the discussion, like the path to get to the U.S. Open Cup final is much easier than it was to get to the COVID-affected 2020 Supporters Shield. Like the 2020 yeah. Supporters Shield, even with a big fat asterisk or uh, the pandemic like on it, to me this is so much more of an achievement than any of those wins would have been. Yeah, and I mean, you could even argue that, given the number of games they won and the, the 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 how how few and far between the losses were, that if they're in if they they won a few <laughs> cups, you know, because yeah, um, you yeah. can kind of look at it as different phases, right? Yeah, they th- yeah they didn't, you know, they ran into you know Portland was kind of playing you know playing at, at their highest level when they ran into them down in Florida, but yeah, you know they 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 still put together in these this kind of weird phase system they put together some, some solid run of games and there was never really a, there was never really a point in the season where, you know, it felt like it was going to fall apart. It was like, okay, they lost, you know, they'll pick back up. And this has been a team last couple of years that, that plays well after they lose games. Yeah. And I think that's what you saw again today was, uh, you know, they lost Columbus was sort of a, you know, kind of a bitter, bitter pill, like almost yeah. a flashback to, to previous, uh, you know, failures, but, <laughs> and, and that they played well enough to win and they didn't, but then they come back and they went at home. And I mean, I don't know, like, thank God they lost at Columbus. Right. Cause you know, that was an experience that, you know, sure. They, it probably would have been anyway. Cause I think mathematically they would have still not technically been able to 
to claim the trophy. Yeah, but... they couldn't have been awarded it because of the stupid 16 goal differential. That's, yeah, that's yeah. Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but to win this in in the building, I mean, uh, you know, you never want to root against your team, your Philly team. But like, even <laughs> if they had won the Open Cup in Houston, like with you know not many people there, like. But see, you yeah. and you and this is funny because you you and I are writers, and like you know, I'm or you're more of a storyteller, and and Dave is more of a storyteller, and and uh, John and, and, and Matt as well. And I'm more of an X's and O's kind of, kind of dude, but mm-hmm. we look for the, the storyline and everything, you know, and like, how does it mean more? Obviously the Eagles Super Bowl meant a lot more because they beat Tom Brady, right? You know, Brady dropped it, you know, the Super Bowl memes and yep. stuff like that. Like, and I delivered the- my daughter in the kitchen floor. So, so that, was, <laughs> that happened that night too. <laughs> it's like, it's funny. Cause like, if you, if you, it would, would, would union fans have celebrated any less if they beat Blake Bortles? And the, or I'm sorry, would Eagles Eagles fans have celebrated any less because that? no, no, but it it does mean it it does make it sweeter that they beat like Tom Brady, you know. So for yeah. the union to be able to do it on decision day with their, um, I mean, their backs weren't against the wall, but it was like crunch time, like that was the time to do it, to do it at home, to beat New England, to rebound from a loss, and to do it into that fashion versus like you know Toronto also lost, they could have just back backed into the supporters' shield in a way that would have been less palatable. So I think it means more to go out and do it the way they did. And it was funny because, you know, on Twitter Sunday morning, this morning, Sunday morning, I was like, I said the union are going to get it done. Like I just had a hunch and I was like sitting there thinking, am I going to jinx it? Like, I'm not superstitious, but I'm like, am I going to jinx it? Am I going to have people up my ass, like tagging the, the ice cold, freezing cold takes guy telling me it was a, it was a <laughs> like I jinxed him or something. But honestly, man, it just felt like, it just felt like a different team, you know, and you just alluded to this a moment ago, but I never really felt like even in Columbus, like they had 20 some shots and you talk about Joe Bendick all you want, but the bigger story was the Columbus goalkeeper, really, you know, the mm-hmm. fact that the union couldn't finish any of their chances, but I never, I never felt with this team this year and also at times last year that I just, I, I felt like collectively, like mentally, they were just like, stronger man they just had more fortitude like it's not the union teams have passed that would have folded like a like a like a cheap uh like a cheap suit you know Um, yeah and you didn't you didn't see you know like if you look at some of those teams that did fold right like there weren't any weird own goals there weren't you know guys getting sent off for being stupid like that was the other team that was doing those things right like and i feel like so many of these games where the union even maybe they, they weren't playing at their best you know, the other team gets a guy sent off for, you know, being an idiot, you know, like they're doing, like they're doing to other teams what they've kind of been under themselves in the past. And I think that's, that's been the real difference is that, I mean, you can't really think of a lot of those weird moments where, you know, and and own goals happen, right? I mean, we're both defenders. Like we know, like it's not always our part, but but, but the fact that like those things haven't happened to the union, aside from that, like weird, what, like, stretch of play in DC when that game kind of fell apart and, and yeah. it, still, it was still a draw, right? I mean, that, that game fell apart and they still got a, they got a result out of that even. So I think there just haven't been those moments where, you know, you, you that you typically have in the season, even last season, there were some, you know, some of those like road losses and stuff where yeah. you just, you, you don't see that this year. And it's, um, and I think it is, it's, it's a little bit of the fortitude, the mentality. I mean, I, I've been saying this a lot, but, you know, when they went down to Florida, a lot of us were kind of like, eh, is this the best thing to do? Is this, how's this going to work? I mean, 
remember we were still kind of early in this whole like how does how does life go on with covid yeah and you know looking back on now everything went off perfectly right i mean aside yeah. from unless you're a nashville or dallas, <laughs> dallas fan um but you know in terms of like not knowing how it was going to go and all of that and then you, you you heard a lot of like kind of like bickering complaining about the facilities blah 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 and you didn't hear that from the union it no was always... no they, there was dude it's it's such a good it is such a good point and like I don't want to steal your thunder. Actually, I will let you finish that thought if you want to finish that. <laughs> no, no, just that. Like you didn't hear that kind of like, just just the way that the players were talking. I mean, Ali said his piece before yeah. in the negotiation process, which that's Ali's job. Like he is a spokesman for his team and for the league. And, you know, he looked at the plan and said, no, this is too much. Like this is not, this isn't going to work. You know, thinking about how long he's going to be away from his family and, yeah. and, and what that, the hardship that that was. They they ironed it out and that was the end. Like you like all these reporters are trying to get Ali to like talk shit on the, yeah, yeah, on the yeah. tournament. He's like, no, that's Can not. Can you please good. shit on the tournament as yes. much as possible? <laughs> and he like he would not do that. And I give him a lot of credit for that because these guys could have, and nobody will fault them for this. They could have opted out. They could have stayed home. They could have said, I'm not putting my wife and kids, my family at risk. And we wouldn't thought anything of it otherwise. Like I wouldn't have passed judgment on them. You wouldn't have passed judgment on them. We would have said it is what it is. We're in a pandemic. You know, everybody's got to put their family before sport, right? But I think you can give them credit for the fact that all these guys, it seemed like collectively they just said, look, we're committed to our team. We love the game. We want to play. We want to win. We understand the circumstances. We set our peace. And now we're just going to go fucking play. And like, that's really admirable to, to me, you know, and it just shows that they have that, they have that dog in them, you know, dog being a positive word, like just that snarling, like, like uh, frothing, like just this, this hungry, like dog that wants it, you know, and um, they all played like that this year. They played a team game, collective defense that was incredible. Um, they got some bounces to go their way. But again, luck is, as they say, is the, uh, the crossroads between preparation meets opportunity. And when you, when you prepare and train the way they do, those things are going to go your way. But you have to give them a lot of credit for – that's why I always say with the asterisk thing, it's dumb because the achievement – you could say – you could even make a case that it's harder to win and commit when you've got a, this global pandemic going on and you're, you have to leave your wife and kids to, to yeah. travel up and down the East Coast while you're wearing a mask and playing in front of no fans and stuff like that. And you can get yourself juiced for a game without fans being there, you know? So basically you put them in a vacuum and say, how much do you love the sport? How much do you want to win? And they said, we want it. We want all of it. Yeah, and you know they they really you know and you you know this even better than me being uh, covering the team longer, but you just you just really got the sense that they're um, you know that they really are a team and a brotherhood or whatever the cliches you want to use. But you know there's 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 been a lot of like teams in the past that were kind of like misfit toys or whatever, or yeah, like guys yeah. kind of forced into you know positions um, you know based on you know the budget and you know, just the limitations in terms of build, roster building in this league. But you just really, with the, the sort of the, the, the mixture of the types of players they have and the way that they've been able to sort of plug. Because, you know, they've had a lot of injuries. I mean, maybe not as, as bad as some of the other teams they've played. Yeah. Uh, you know, Toronto recently has had, been devastated by injuries. You know, New England finally was kind of getting some of their players back, like Carlos Hill and stuff. But, um, you know, they, they've been able to 
not like they, they haven't changed significantly when they've had guys out, you know, when yeah. they had like losing Jose Martinez for four games at the end it's of the like, season, <laughs> that would have killed past union teams. I know. Can you imagine if they, well, it's just funny. Cause I was like joking with Andrew Wiebe on the last show. I was like, Jack Elliott's like, hasn't played D mid since college. Right. And they stick him in there. And it's like they don't, you know, they're not as good as they are no. with Brujo, but they really don't miss that much of a beat because they bought into the system and the scheme and everybody kind of knows their role and enjoys their role. And you know, it's funny. Cause like, I'm not, I'm not around the team anymore. I haven't been in the locker room in three years, you know, since I left the beat. Right. But we, the way that these guys are like congratulating each other and like ribbing each other and taking selfies and stuff like that with the, with the trophy, like you can just tell how much they really truly do like each other and get along and how much they're committed to each other and the coaches too. And um, I think that was exhibited too when they did the when they were all on the same page for the Black Lives Matter stuff. Yep. Down in Florida because they were all wearing the shirts. They all had the names, the different names of the the victims on the back of it. Even like like Jacob Glessness, who's like a white Norwegian dude who doesn't know <laughs> fuck all about BLM. Prob- probably, probably. I don't know. Maybe he's very um, well read. I don't know. I don't mean to like you know make a judgment, but I'm like here's a guy who's who's not part of the like Mark McKenzie, Warren Craval, Ray Gaddis like BLM group, but they they joined in on that because it was a thing for their teammates you know and like they knew it was important to them and so that that kind of told me a lot back then in the summer in florida of what they were you know and um it, it's it's funny and I'll, I'll toss it to you on this but we do this stupid dumbass cliche every single time the blue collar hard working lunch <laughs> lunch pail philadelphia team but dude like i swear to god like th- that's what they are they like embody that to a T. Yeah. There's no superstars on this team. It's like plug and play. You know, you got Jack Elliott filling in for Bruja, Warren Cavall filling in for him. You know, Olivier and Bizo plays good minutes this year. I mean, like, it's just, I, I can't help saying it without laughing, but they really are a, a Philadelphia blue collar lunch pail team. Yeah, they really are because, I mean, it's it's been interesting. And, you know, I haven't, I haven't, I just got home a little bit ago. I haven't had a chance to really kind of like dig into what, you know, more than that, like, you know, some of my colleagues at other SB Nation sites are saying and just, you know, more, more of the bigger picture stuff. But, you know, you really, you know, it, it, sometimes it's kind of hard to kind of like quantify things like in this like MLS uh, world in a normal season, especially this year, though, like what, you know, we know what they've accomplished, right? But what does that mean, right, on a, on a larger scale? And you have to say, I mean, without, like I said, without really uh, getting to, to read a lot so far, that this has put the league on notice like that, you know, you know yes, the, the players have like, you know, the other players in the league and coaches, they all like say other than maybe Bruce say nice things about Philadelphia, you know, Oh, the Academy, you know, it's all the stuff that you say, right. In, in a it was all conference. fluff at that. Yeah. Point. Yeah. But like, this is like, you know, I think, I think it, for all of us, right. There's still that thing in the back of our head, like, yeah, it looks good. Like they're, they're doing all these things, but um, are they going to actually win a trophy this time? Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, almost like, I don't even really want to think about MLS cup cause it feels like a long way away now, but um, I don't even really get... give a shit to be honest. Right. <laughs> like I'm just like, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is, this is cool. And it, it, but it does, it says, it sends a notice to the league. I, you know, I, I like to, sometimes when I talk about their, you know, their system and their Academy, I, you know, I, I like to say like they get, maybe more credit than they deserve because of how bad everybody else is at it. But that, you know, it does, it just shows that, you know, you can bring in players, you know, not everyone's going to be Mark McKenzie or, 
or, or Brendan Aronson, and they've been through some different players, and they didn't really work out, and they're at other teams now um, within within the, the team. And you can do that, and you can find guys in Venezuela um, to be, you know to be your starting number six, like yep. And guys who, by the way, when he showed up, everyone was like, oh, no, who, like, he was kind of, you know, people were, like, not really very high on him. Curtin was not very high on him no. in the beginning. Like, he, his first game down in Florida, he turned the ball over, you know, several times. Well, remember the L.A. 3-3 game where he would, like, flee, he was bleeding, like, eight minutes into the game, and we thought he was <laughs> going to get a red card like, before halftime. We're like, okay, this guy's yeah. a little raw. He might have some, some work to do, you know? Yeah, and, but, but, but that's, what, that's what you expect from this team, and to sort of see all of those pieces kind of put together – into you know into something that into a, into a squad that can can win those games i, I you know like I, maybe i harp on this a little bit but they win the games when they're not they're not playing well uh you know they're yeah they're like the, they're yeah. like the anti-union of the past right because isn't so that like games... the, 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 the number one thing they're like how many times did you and i say like this point this year and last year like quote that's a game the union would have found a way to lose in the pit. Like I felt like I'd, I'd said that line like four. I'm like, I can't tweet this again or else people are just going to roll their eyes. Right. But like, because so many games we, the union were on the other side of that, right. Yeah. Where yeah. It looked like they were going to get a result. And then, you know, Mamboli happens or whatever, like things happen that just like that's so union. Yeah. Um, and yeah. You know, hopefully, maybe this can usher in a new era. If that's so, union is you, you, you win the big game. You know, you, you win get the, the monkey. It's the, it's the monkey, like the monkeys off your back. You know, like I made the joke last time. It's like t- it's like taking King Kong off of your shoulders and throwing him into the river. You know, over the river end or whatever. It just feels like it's that big of a thing. It became such a joke that, like, at some point three or four years ago, you're sitting here thinking, like, is it ever going to happen? <laughs> you know, and it was funny because because you just made a good point. Now it's like when you talk about putting the league on notice. Um, you know, there's always this idea of like, quote unquote, we're doing it the right way. We're putting money in the academy. We're going to, you know, cast a net. We're going to bring kids to the system. But, but now, and it sounds very stupid and very obvious to say, but they're proving that not only can you do it, but you can win while doing it, you know, whereas people weren't sure. Like it yeah. was like, oh, Paxton Pomacal, you know, Tyler Adams, whatever, you know, but, you know, at the time back then it was who was winning MLS cup, you know, it was Sebastian Javinko. And, yep. uh, you know, the Seattle Sounders of the world and stuff like that. So it was always kind of a sidebar thing. You'd say, like, oh, it's cute. You know, maybe we could get, you know, Brendan Aronson or Andre Blake or somebody to a foreign team and you know, develop guys for the national team. And maybe that'll be what the union are, a selling club, but they'll never actually win anything. So now you said, well, we put a couple of homegrown guys on the field and we're winning while doing it. And we also sold one to Salzburg for what might be like eight or nine million dollars with incentives. It's like shit okay you know yeah we, we went from zero to hero like right away you know yeah i mean i was thinking about this the other day like at one point in time the best case scenario seemed to be i remember thinking this like just tank a season put them all out there like start all academy players right like like thinking thinking it, that that's what it was going to take right to sort of have you know you're, you're gonna you're gonna have to sacrifice something to play the kids yeah but what they've done is they you know and it's they've had to be patient right and i think sticking with jim as long as they've had like they've been rewarded for that but they had to be patient we had as you know people who root for or follow the team had to be patient 
um, because it wasn't going to be a situation where they could just throw a bunch of kids to the wolves and see what happens. And like, Oh, well we lost like 15 games, but (laughs) but, Hey, did you see Brendan Aronson? Like it was like, you know, it had to be this sort of like slow methodical process. I mean, you know, Ali of course made the joke about the trust our process, um, but it has been that like sort of methodical. It's been incremental, incremental, and you know, and it's gotten them to this point. And you know, next season it will be next season. The MLS Cup will be MLS Cup. Whatever happens, yeah, they've gotten to this point, and you know, we'll worry about <laughs> we'll worry about the what, what where do they go from here now? Like when that happens. Yeah, it's funny because on this podcast over the years, I feel like my take on youth and the academy has just sort of been like. I don't know how many times I use that example of like Manchester United back in the day. Like even, even when they had gigs and skulls and uh, Nicky butt and um, who were the other two dudes uh, the Neville's, you know, playing for him and stuff like that. I was like, you know, even then like they went out and bought like Dennis Irwin, you know, like even Barcelona, all the people that come through La Masia, you know, they still buy like Luis Suarez or something. Like, I don't think unless you're like Ajax or something like that, even Ajax doesn't put 11 homegrown, players out on the field mm-hmm. you know so my take was always like well you got like maybe like three or four homegrowns on there and then you kind of interspersed it and you explore all avenues of player acquisition and I mean that's really kind of what they did I'm going to segue that into an exercise here because we always like to do an exercise on the program um, the starting 11 that they put out today that they won the supporter shield with had uh, Brendan Aronson Mark McKenzie Matt Freeze so three three homegrowns there you had Ray Gaddis, who was a draft pick. Glessness was what, a TAM sign? Was he a TAM signing? Yeah. Uh, Kai Wagner, he wasn't even a TAM, was he? He was just a regular. Would it, would it? I think they, it paid, they paid a transfer fee, but I don't know that he was a TAM sign. So you have a deep DPs in Bedoya and uh, Montero, mm-hmm. right? Because he's Bedoya a. Bedoya is no threshold. longer a DP. Oh, he, was, he, bought, was, he yeah. was bought down. We'll, we'll, for the purposes of the exercise, we'll say he was a DP anyway. Santos and Shabilko. I mean, so you got homegrowns interspersed with like a bought down DP, a guy they pulled from Venezuela, a guy they got on loan last year, and then decided he's good. They're going to put some money into him. A German dude from the German third division who we all thought was going to suck. You know, <laughs> some guy who was playing in Chile for like Aldax Italiano or however the hell you say. And then Casper Shabuka, who was with steel when he came over. Like to me, it's like a, it's like a Picasso, you know, to put that like group out there and like they, they have found value in the margins and they have explored pretty much every avenue you can. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and like, you know, you mentioned, you know, obviously your, your proud uh, alma mater, right. Where the contributions <laughs> from Jack Elliott and, and Ray Gaddis, I, I mean, those were, those, those kind of predated the current, like kind of set up in terms of Ernst Tanner, but, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I mean, they've, they've sort of found ways to, um, to sort of put together and you need that, you need that, you need that blend of, experience of you know sort of people that are going to buy in the system because i mean one of the things from the academy like these guys that make the first team like they've they've lived this system you talk to brendan i mean you know he he's been part of this club for for a very long time and he's 20 years old yeah and i mean he's been permanent like full-time for about like seven what seven years and prior to that he was like training as you know as a 10 year old 11 12 year old or whatever but you know, these guys kind of come in like Mark McKenzie. I mean, feels like the guy's like 30 now. Like he, he's been a part of this club for so long. And I mean, for me, cause I, you know, I watch these guys since they're, they're young and, yeah. but they're, they're, 
you don't have to worry. Like if you're you're the staff of the union, you don't have to worry about those guys cause, like no. getting it because they no. wouldn't they wouldn't be there if they didn't get it. Uh, they'd it's be funny playing for someone else by now. <laughs> it's funny, dude. And I made this point on the podcast before, but I, you know, it's it's funny because we always talk about what it means to be. We're so per- parochial and provincial in Philadelphia. We love to talk about nothing but Philadelphia. You know. Philly sports, right? But then you look at the Sixers, it's like a dude from Australia, a dude from Cameroon. Uh, Robert Covington was from Chicago, I think. J.J. Redick, you know, obviously is not from Philly. So it's it's funny. We absorb those people into our culture, but now you can – you have and it, and it doesn't matter, really. You don't necessarily have to be from here to be a Philly type of guy. I sound like I'm on WIP or something. Um, but the fact that you can get the best of both worlds where you can have a McKenzie who's from here, you can have an Aronson who's from here. It's like you're double dipping, you know, it's like not only have they bought into the scheme and the culture, but they are part of the fabric. Like they are one of us, you know? So it makes it even, there's like an extra like oomph that goes into cheering for those guys. You know, it's been fun to watch. Um, Dude, I can't say enough things about Mark, good things about Mark McKenzie. I feel like I did like shared like five video clips today during the game. And I feel like four of them were about McKenzie. Like he just, he just honestly, like I feel like, I, and Glessness was like ridiculous today. I know like Adam Books, it kind of stinks and he's kind of a stiff, but, uh, and Gustavo, Gustavo Bo is a great player, but he's not really totally fit. Carlos Keel yeah. coming back. But dude, yeah, I mean, those like, guys don't look like themselves here on, uh, and Bo. No, but you know what? I was really impressed. Just a couple like game notes. Um, I was just really impressed with how the center backs played today, especially in front of your third string goalkeeper, who that was the story of last week, you know, was, was the shakiness with Joe Bendick. And like, they didn't, they didn't make a single mistake back there. Um, McKenzie and Glessness. I can't say enough about him. Like to me, if I had to take, obviously I'm biased because I play center back, but like, I, you know, obviously that's my takeaway um, from the game. And so I was just really impressed with how they played and they just looked, they just looked ready for it. Everybody looked like they were like just ready for the moment and, for none of those dudes out there, it didn't look, the moment didn't look too big for any of them. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you, you mentioned Mark. I mean, I was talking to someone today that, you know, the kind of like thinking back to like Mark in the Academy and, you know, I think center backs are really hard to, it's hard to tell at a thir- at 14, 15, if a guy's going to be like what the ceiling is for a center back, just because mm-hmm. so much of it is, it's so many of the intangibles that, you know, you don't know what the 15 year old is going to develop into, um, yeah. you know, you, Brendan, you, you sort of, you sort of pick that out, right. You can put Brendan at 14 in front of, you know, in a group of 300 people and he's going to stand out, but yeah. like Mark, you, you know, you're, you're, he's going to stand out just from his athleticism and stuff, but like in like how calm he is, but you just don't know how that's going to project to, um, you know, to, you know, 21 and he's 21 years old, right? Like, I, I feel like we have to remind ourselves that, that like we're watching a 21 year old who really is playing like a seasoned veteran in this league. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are saying like, he's the, you know, he's, you know, the best center back in MLS. And it's hard to really refute that at this point. It's just funny. I feel like he gets overshadowed a bit just because Aronson's on the team. You know, and Aronson's 19 and like compared to 19, like age 21 in soccer years feels like you're a dinosaur back in comparison. You know, I feel like that's overshadowing him. I think it's also, you know, here I go again talking about center backs, but I think it's also easier to, for people to identify what a number 10 does well. And also that's a more value, valuable position. It's a lot easier to find center backs than it is to find a, a promising 19 year old number 10. So obviously more of the talk is going to be about Brendan than it is about Mark. But yeah, think about it. If you took Brendan off this team, how much would we be talk, talking about tw- your 21-year-old center back who doesn't do anything wrong and who's barely made any mistakes all year? You know, it's funny how you just remove one thing from the equation. It becomes a different story entirely, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I think too, how much is it right? I mean, you, you think about center backs is the best thing you you can sometimes say about a center back is you didn't have to talk about them. And, 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 you know, if you didn't, if you don't talk about Brendan for a game, maybe he didn't have his best game. Maybe, it was like know? the, it was like the Brian Carroll game for like seven straight years. Like yeah. how many games did Brian Carroll play? Were you like, you're doing player ratings or something afterwards, or you go through your entire Twitter feed. And you're like, I didn't say Brian Carroll's name like once. Right. You know, like that's, that's, that's the kind of thing. Cause it's just like, you're automatic. Like people expect it from you. Let yeah. me just go through some, um, I wrote down some notes during the game. You can stop me at any time. If you want to respond to any of these or make it or follow up on a point. I thought Bruce arena did, um, did the union some favors, but coming out in a four, one, three, two, cause they only really had Scott Caldwell back there playing as a lone holder. And there was a lot of space. Um, I thought the union might get smothered a little bit, but they did really good going up against that formation. Um, Matt Freeze with the early save, the kind of like weird save down to his left. I thought that was great to kind of like get him into the game and get him comfortable. Like you always need an early one of those if you're a goalkeeper to kind of like feel your way into the game. Yeah, especially but, since he – I mean, other than some games at Union too, he hasn't really played much in the last – What did yeah. you think – Would um, were you surprised that he went with, with Freeze instead of Bendik? I, I wasn't – uh, I guess I assumed it would be Vandek again, just again, the experience thing. But, I, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, I think Vandek did struggle a little bit in terms of, you know, someone who hadn't played really at all. I mean, what Vandek hadn't played a game since Columbus last July. Yeah. And yeah. Freeze at least got some games with Union 2. Uh, one of the nice things about being a goalkeeper uh, with Union 2 is you You're going to face a lot, a lot of shots. Of shots. <laughs> Um, and, uh, again, though, I mean, we're t- talking about center backs, right? Like young center backs, you're going to face a lot of shots because these are guys who are, are yeah. you know, they're, lear- they're learning the game. Right. And, uh, so I think, I think, you know, I, it, it, I was surprised, but I'm not surprised that they got a clean sheet because I mean, I think Bendik would have a clean sheet today, honestly. Yeah, probably. I mean, that center backs were so good and just the team in front of them was so good. Um, I thought Ray was going to score. Yeah, <laughs> me shot, too. This shot that was blocked. I, like, I think I made a yelping sound or something like that. And I got, I kind of like got up out of my seat, but didn't totally get out of it. I kind of like sat up and sat back down real quick. Um, I thought Casper was kind of just off the pace again. I mean, there's that one play where he had that great, like little back shoulder, like sort of fade and uh, Bedoya picked him out and he just kind of scuffed it and hit it wide. He just, he still seems like he's a little bit off. Um, you know, the, the, the play where Bedoya got um, cleated, like, I thought that was a penalty, honestly. Um, it was, um, what's the left back saying? Butner, Alexander Butner. See, because, like, if you, anywhere else on the field, if you're late and you get the guy with your studs facing, um, I hate the term stud showing. I want to retire it forever because you go into 99% of the tackles, your studs are showing. Yeah, It's absolutely. just a matter of whether they're up and whether they're, they're facing the, the guy, right? Because by nature of how your foot moves, that's a physics lesson for later. But, um, you know, if you committed that kind of foul anywhere else on the field for like a pass or something like that, you would look at the referee, would look at the note, the infraction, wait to try to play advantage. And if advantage isn't there, they call it back and give you the, the free kick, right? So it's not any different on a shot. You know, just because the shot is off, there's nothing in the laws of the game, at least unless the rule has been changed since I was reffing, but there's nothing in the laws of the game that says once a shot is gone, that if some guy comes clattering into you, that it doesn't matter. Like, you know, that's a penalty by any any by any rule of the law, you know? So yeah, especially I, I'm I mean, surprised they did I'm just surprised they didn't go to VAR with it, you know? Yeah, especially if you think about like if he gets he he could get hurt on that play, right? That's like an ankle breaker, man. Yeah. It's like studs right into your ankle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the justification for the red card 
against, you know, the, you know, the, the red card against Calvo in the Chicago game was that, you know, he, it was potentially like, you know, he, he could have seriously injured Ali on that play. I know he yeah. just took his shoe off, but the referees are kind of instructed that if someone, if it's a potential Achilles um, injury that can come from a tackle, it's an automatic red. And well, so, and you can red card. Yeah, I mean, in the laws of the game, you can red card anybody for violent conduct, uh, you know, with this, where the situation or the um, the sequence doesn't really matter. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a shot or a pass or anything like that. I mean, you could be, you know, Bruce Arena could just uh, be standing on the sideline and he could cleat somebody off the sideline. You could red card him for that. It doesn't, it doesn't have to have like any specific, you know, like yeah, yeah. specific like thing. By the way, just as an A-side, I love that you could hear his complaining throughout the whole game. And you could even hear like Jim complain about the, about that, the non-red card or the non-foul or whatever he was complaining. I think he said something. I think you could hear Jim on the on the audio saying like, he just because the, like the, the legs, just because he's shooting doesn't mean he can take his leg off. Yeah, yeah I, that's, saw, that's I, I, I was. I mean, I was watching in the stadium, but someone said that uh, there was something about like him killing somebody just because you, you know, <laughs> something about there was some there was some quote. I think someone tweeted out. Yeah, but, uh, it's it's funny. He's good when he like like cuts loose like that. But they, I don't think there are any curse words either. I think they did a pretty good job with like letting the natural. That was interesting. I was hoping we'd get more of that in a COVID world, like more natural sound, you know. But with, with yeah, I was swears. a little annoyed with Caleb. I, I heard, I've heard enough of Caleb Porter the last game though. Yeah, that's that's very... it, was, it got it got to be a bit much. Look, I mean on the two goals, the first goal, recycled set piece, um what a ball by Glessness in. I was yeah. very proud as a center back. Uh, this is the tenth thing I've said about center backs on one podcast, but I was just very proud to see him put that ball back into there. He he deserves an honorary uh, assist for that play. But uh, there's not much to say. I mean, when eight dudes on the other team are ball watching and fall asleep. Uh, Santos is there and I was happy for him too because I thought it was going to be another one of those games for him where he was getting called for some fouls early he, he gets those like over the back too aggressive up on the defender the ref whistles in like two or three times in the first 20 minutes and he gets frustrated yeah he starts complaining to the refs and I was like shit he's gonna have one of those games you know but um credit to him he he didn't you know yeah I mean the gla- I'm glad you mentioned the glasses uh part of that goal because if you have a foot like glasses like it's got to be really hard not to just like unload <laughs> on that ball, you know. I mean, yeah, like, that's a very about- good point. Not only can he blast the ball from like forty-five yards out, but he also has a very nice like little like curl on it that he can. Yeah. yeah. So so for him to like first of all, um, because if that's me, I'm like hitting that thing as hard as it possibly can. It's probably going like forty <laughs> feet over the goal. But to have sort of that like to sort of know the situation. I mean, he's not. He doesn't. He's not playing in that part of the. F- part of the field very often right and so no, we we get to hit like center backs get to hit one of those like every like three games or so, every yeah. four games or something <laughs> if we're lucky you know and so to like to basically i mean he could have shot unleashed the shot probably gets blocked you know probably doesn't make it through the, the crowd instead he you know he, he yeah he serves up a great ball and then i mean you got to give sergio credit you know yes the defenders were flat-footed but sergio recognized that um, and he yeah, got himself into position to, you know, yes, it's a tap in the end, but he put himself there to make the goal. Poaching, poaching is a skill. You know, I mean, like we used to say that about Jack McInerney back in the day, like right place, right time is a skill that's learned, yep. you know, like you don't just stumble into it. Like he was right. He was back shoulder right there and you can't get lost if you're not in the right position in the first place, you know? So I think you got to give him credit for that. You know, the second goal, um, it was interesting because I, I like New England was complaining for a foul on Buxa, but Jacob Glasses was right up his butt right from the beginning, and him and McKenzie were coming so far out 
um, I was really impressed with how, how far they were put, not, not how they weren't playing a super high line, but the fact that they were closing these dudes down like five, five yards inside midfield, you know, like they were playing really high and they were getting up on their back and they weren't letting these guys turn at all. And Glessness just kind of gets a little bit of a body on him, but Buxa runs into Ray Gaddis. who's just kind of standing there. So it's not like he, he wasn't really like pushed into it. I mean, like Buxa is what, like six foot four and he falls down as easily as he does. You're probably not going to get that call. Um, but to come back down the other way and to, you know, to hit that ridiculous pass into oh, to yeah. Corey Burke. I mean, it's just, it was nice. It was, it was nice to like, again, the story, we look for stories. We look for moments. We look for like things that we can tell, you know, you look for like, Hey, what are you going to remember about this game? What are you going to remember about the shield? Like that goal was a great goal and it's worth, it's, in, it's indicative of what the whole day was, you know? Yeah. And you know, maybe because I, I typically play down the right side, like whenever I, those are my favorite kind of goals, you know, the one where, you know, a guy hits across it. No, none of the defenders can get, like, can do anything <laughs> about, right? Like no one's stopping yeah. that across. Yeah. And then your, your, your striker is making the, the perfect run and it's just, keeper no no one no one can really do anything about that and those are those are the types of goals that like i think you know when it's when it's on the side you want it to be are uh are, are just so so fun to watch and on the opposite side it's so frustrating because because you can't you just can't you know when that when that when that cross is is, is put played that way there's just really yeah. no way to stop it dude it's funny man because i i kind of felt this way the same way i did about the eagles winning the super bowl where you know like you and I are writers and like for us, it's like work in a way, you know, like, so mm-hmm. when, and when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I was just sitting there like writing and typing and whatever. We didn't go like, you know, shoot fireworks off on um, Fletcher street and Fishtown, Right. But, um, but I just kept thinking of like, like you think about like people who were like involved in the franchise some way. Like when the, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I just kept thinking of like, like my dad and my uncles and all these people who watched all these shitty losses over the years, you know, and like, like felt like good for them that they could finally like celebrate after the longest time. Right. You know? And like, I kept, I, I felt that way about this too, where like, you know, they'd show the, um, the supporter shield um, ceremony. And I saw like, like Mark Evans was, was shown there. He's been with the team for like the beginning, you know, and like Paul rushing, who's been like the only trainer they've ever had. You know, and like these dudes who have been like been there for like ten years and like eleven years since the very beginning, and you just like keep keep going through these people and you see these people. On yeah, like Brandon, like, seeing Brandon Kaminsky like Kaminsky. run over and like you know <laughs> uh, when when Fontana's uh, going to sub on, like he gives he gives Jim five and he goes Fontana <laughs> gives him five. Like you're like yeah, you know you know Fontana didn't really get in the game right. Like it was the very end. Yeah, but like even yeah, yeah. that moment, it, like it's like this is this. You know, he would have liked to see Fontana put another goal in past, uh, Matt Turner, but uh, but it's cool. You just you think of like all you keep thinking of all these people who have been who have watched all these crappy losses and who have been through the. Uh, Taylor Chalmers had a great line on the on the broadcast where he said, "You know, when you talk about peaks and valleys, there have been a lot of valleys for this team. You know, not a lot of peaks." So you just like think of like all these guys who just like when the, when the people were down on the team when they were losing season ticket holders and they were getting no media coverage, they still don't get any media coverage, but you know, it's like, like you just feel good for all these people who put in all this time and effort to get to this point. Cause man, it was, it was rough for a while. You know, you had like people leaving the beat and dropping off and like interest was waning and stuff like that. So, so you see these people who stuck with the team and who work for the team and who've been around the team and sons of Ben who stuck with the team and stuff like that. Just like, I just felt great for all of them, you know? Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm not an Eagles fan even a little bit, but uh, I, I watched the last 10 minutes of that Super Bowl, And then, like I said, my daughter was born in my kitchen, but um, it was an amazing night. 
Um, but it's gonna be another <laughs> another story you'll have to tell in its entirety on on another podcast. But yeah, the, the thing even like in that moment, and which we didn't see tonight, which I'm I'm perfectly okay with, is that you know the the thing that was like I loved as more of a neutral. Uh, I mean, I probably would say I, I, if anything, I dislike the Patriots. Uh, and you see Brady get, you know, you're like, oh shit, like they're gonna drive down and they're gonna win this game, and this is this is like. I'm not even going to want to go to work to see how depressed my, my coworkers are, you know, like I don't want to really see my boss tomorrow, you know, yeah, of course yeah. it turns out I didn't because uh, of the baby thing, but like, yeah. you know, and then, and then, and then there's, you know, he gets sacked and you're like, wait, did that really, like, did that really just happen? Like that's not supposed to happen that way. You know, like there's, there's some moments in sports like that, right? Like Butler was supposed to win the national championship. Like that shot was supposed to go in. Right. And in that moment, like Brady's supposed to drive down and win the game again, because that's just the like that's the way. It's, and it and when it didn't happen, it's like it gives you faith in sports again. Like yeah, it's like okay, yeah. this is some. It doesn't. It doesn't always have to be the Yankees winning the World Series every year. It doesn't always have to be. You know, like it just felt in that moment, even for me, like and uh, that it was like the the, the script was sort of like flipped. In a little yeah, bit, it was like right? rewritten. Yeah, yeah. And, and the script for the Union has been that they're, they're, they get there and there's so much excitement. Everyone's like, yeah, we're going to get that cup and we're going to get it. And then there's an own goal and you're like, oh, we're not going to get the cup. Like the Houston, like once that own goal goes in, like Philly's not winning the cup again. Yeah. Right. The, the penalties, you know, something's going to, something's going to go wrong with these penalties. Like it's just, you know, it's just not. And so, so th- this whole thing with, and then like, then they lose to Columbus. You're like, oh, here we go. And yeah. my, my concern was, Bruce Arena. That was he was my honestly he was my concern. Yeah, that they'd like, have to beat Bruce Arena to get it had, done. Yeah, and like Bruce Arena is like you know I mean he's from he's been doing this stuff since he was you know coaching Virginia right like where you <laughs> you know you do you, you do all sorts of things that that's like you know it doesn't have to be pretty soccer but you know he do, he gets the job done kind of thing and, and he like, was very gracious too and it was nice on the broadcast to see him go over to Jim a couple times yeah. and like give him a big hug it's because he's he remembers Jim from from being in the league for you know years ago and just that kind of like fraternity of mls people you know yeah and so yeah so that my my fear was like oh you know it's going to come down to some some bullshit with like you know where they like they don't you know it's a draw or something and then toronto wins and uh so that was like my biggest fear today but then once you know obviously once Red Bull takes it to to a lead. You're like, okay, they're yeah, going to like, right, Maybe this is it. Yeah. Now you're like, don't don't do this. Don't don't lose a game and win it. Win a cup. Oh, win a trophy, right? But you know, and it's like the and and it's funny too because like all those valleys just make it mean more. I mean, you know, I, I remember the last the U.S. Open Cup 2018. Dave came over to my house and we watched the game there, and then we did the podcast afterwards, and they lost three nothing. It was like the most depressing, like energyless, um, fruitless podcast of all time. But you know, it's like when when the Cubs finally won it you know, after all those years, like I cried like a baby. I'm a Cubs fan. So, Oh, okay. Okay. There you go. Well, that's a good um, call by me, but you know, it, but so you can attest to this. It just, because of all the crap that you had over the years, it just, it means more when it finally comes, you know, and um, 10 years is, you know, a lot different than a lot, a lot less longer than the Cubs waited. I remember my favorite stat for like the longest time was that the last time um, the Chicago Cubs won the world series, like the Ottoman empire was still, in, <laughs> still in existence or something like that. Like 19, 1920, whatever the hell, like I think the, the uh, Sultan of Turkey was still part of like the <laughs> Ottoman empire or something, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like it just, it like all those losses pile up 
and then they all come out at once. It's like you're exhaling like a soccer version of like Pandora's box, but in a good way. You know what I mean? Where like all the shit from the last 10 years is fun. It's like you're detoxing all of it at the same time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of the fans I talked to after the game, that's, it was, you know, it's a little hard. Like everyone's wearing masks. Like it's just, it's not the, it's not the big, (laughs) it was just, it was a crime that that, that, that stadium couldn't be filled, you know, but, but, but everyone's kind of like, it's just, you just got a sense from people that was like, not that it was any less meaningful because it was, but it's just like, (sighs) right. We got this. Like we got, like we got the, we got the support. And also, I mean, really, you know, again, you don't, you don't, you don't root for things to like negative things to happen to a team, but you know, it, they won the supporters shield. Like that's a bigger, it's that's crazy, a bigger deal dude. than the open cup. It's like, crazy. I'm, you know, you won't find a bigger fan than of the open cup than, than I am. Uh, just the tradition of it. And it just breaks my heart that it, you know, the COVID killed that, you know, and yeah. uh, COVID killed USL championship uh, final USL league one, league two, like all of that. Um, and so I was even thinking I was, I was leaving the stadium tonight that like, we haven't, we don't have, we haven't had a lot of trophies this year. Like, you know, no. there's not going to be a, and I, you know, you know me, I follow all the st- all this stuff, right? Champions so, League got postponed. <laughs> and there's, you know, and there's not going to be a, a college a college cup this year. There's not going to be, um, there's not going to be, you know, even, you know, the Westchester can't try to get into the national championship for men's soccer again. Like there's not going to be, uh, you know, again, like no league, no USL championship, which is really heartbreaking. And like, so many of these like trophies that, that, that get given out in U.S. soccer, you know, it's just going to be blank, right? Like yeah. 2020 is going to be blank for USL, like across the board, all three leagues in USL. And so like there's there, with so few trophies to go around, like the fact that the union got one of those <laughs> um, and it wasn't the MLS's back. Like, I'm sorry, like no disrespect to Portland, uh, you know, they played great, but if, this, if we had to choose board. between trophies, like <laughs> I did not really want MLS back to be the first trophy. No, I mean, that's just, dude, it's, it's, um, it's funny. You and I are going to have to get back in the press box when the, uh, when the union hosts like club America in the group stages of the, t- <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Man. I, <laughs> what the hell world am I living in? Like, I don't even think it's like funky. This is a great, this is the most fun podcast I think I've ever done. Um, no offense to anybody else who's ever been on it, but it's just like, it's great. I mean, we did so many miserable shows where we were just like, well, they suck ass today and they do, and they suck today. And you know, like hum- humor, like got us through it, you know, me and Dave and all the guests that we had on and stuff like that. But yeah, dude. I mean, I don't know. At the, for, to, at the expense of uh, repeating it for like the tenth time, you, you're just like really happy for all those people down there who just put a lot of hard work into it. And you know, honest truth, it's funny hearing uh, Jim Curtin come out and praise Ray Gaddis after the game and say like he could play for me for forever or whatever. You know, on any other team, Ray Gaddis would have been um, would have been out of a contract and Jim would have been fired. You yeah. know, like yeah. any other team in the world. So it does. You could make the argument either way. You could say, well, they could have done it back then, but they committed to these guys. And that makes it a great story, too. That's, that adds another layer to the story, the fact that they committed to their coach and committed to a lot of these players and said, you know, we believe in these dudes and we, we think they're going to get it done for us at some point. And they, and they did, you know. So that's also a nice thing, too, especially in the, in, the, in the world, in the global game, where, like, in Italy, you, you don't last as a manager for any longer than, like, a season and a half, you know. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I think the thing about Jim, I think probably all of us, who have covered the team in any capacity agree on is that, I mean, Jim's been good to, to the media. I mean, he really has like, you know, 
certainly there's been moments, right? And like he's he's you know every coach has their moments. Like when he and I, when me and him are yelling at each other in the press conference. Yeah, yeah, but like, but he's but in general he's been good. Like he understands that like part of this, like that that what that what we're doing is is part of the whole thing, and that and that in order for us to sort of like say good things about the team like they actually have to do good things like it, it, you know and like none of this like yes. pr like oh the most points in a season or the they scored more goals than than any right back has ever scored yeah. not right back but like you yeah. know what i'm saying like you know all these like stats that you like that are kind of reach stats like to sort of say something i mean remember that press conference with ernie where he was like throwing all this stuff and we're like dude you guys weren't good like stop like, like nobody this. gives a shit about it. it's like the, it's like john middleton or andy mcphail up there saying that like well our guys have the greatest like wins above replacement number out of anybody like <laughs> nobody gives a flying fuck about that like you gotta win see it's funny man because like i think i used this like example on a podcast like three years ago or something but and this is going way back you'd have to be a little bit older to remember this there was a video an m&m video for uh the way i am where he's like uh, going to his record, the record label guy goes up to him and he's like, you handed me an album that's got cuss words. You're rapping about like, uh, you know, all these things that I can't talk about or whatever, Um, you know, like taboo stuff or whatever. And then he turns to Eminem and he says, I can't sell this shit, you know? And so like for the longest time, I felt like the record store guy in the Eminem video, because it's like, we're all trying to grow the game here. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're all trying to make it bigger. Jim Curtin understands that. Yep. He needs us. We need him. We're all working together for a common goal here, right? Um, and I felt for the longest time, like, I can't sell this shit. How do I get, like, WIP people or 97.5 people or 4 for 4 people? Like, what, what do I sell them? Like, what do I give them with the union? Well, they got a nice stadium. Uh, they're getting better. They got this kid, Brendan Aronson. Now I can say, well, they want a trophy. Yep. Like, I, I can sell this shit now, you know? So I mean, you have to sort of explain it, which is, I mean, that's, that's a whole You do thing. have to. And then they say, oh, they won a trophy. And then they say, what's the supporter shield? I'm like, well, it's this. And they're like, well, what does that mean? And what is the Champions League? So the Champions League means they don't play, but whatever. All you, now, yeah. now you can just simplify it and say they won the first trophy in franchise history, you know? And yeah, I think, I, I think it was uh, ABC, ABC or something. They, I, they described it as like the union are playing, you know, for – first the best record in the league or something well, like that, which go. which is fine like, you just need skiversky to come out with a bunch of emojis on twitter afterwards and say the union did it blah 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 here's a picture and here's a fire emoji and a soccer ball emoji and all this stuff you know because uh you know nobody else is going to mention them anyway but dude i just uh, like look I'm, I'm happy for all those people down there who put a lot of time and effort into it and um i've kept you for 45 minutes as it is so let's 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 end it on this um so they got num- the number one seed wrapped up. Um, the play-in games are Nashville and Miami, and then it's New England and Montreal. Um, I don't know, man. What are you feeling? You mean in terms of who 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 I prefer them to play? Who do you prefer them? Who do you think's going to happen? Like, do you think they're going to be juiced for it? I mean, they got a long lay lay over here. Like, I I personally, uh, to answer my own question. Um, I don't give a shit about the playoffs. Yeah. Not right not right now. Not no. right now. As Baxter pops up on the screen behind me. Um, but I, I don't right now. Maybe I'll feel differently. I'm just happy they won something, you know, and the season to me is a success no matter what happens in the playoffs. Like, do you feel like they need something else needs to do? You, do you feel satisfied or do you feel like you need to see something in the playoffs? Yeah. I mean, I do, I do feel like at a minimum they need to make the, the conference final. Um, you know, if it, it would be nice to see them sort of get a rematch with Columbus perhaps and play that at MLS, mm. uh, you know, at MLS, uh, in, in Chester. 
because I feel like that, you know, that's definitely something that's uh, you, that, that is obviously bugged Jim a lot because uh, he keeps bringing it up that unfinished that, business. That, well, that they had to play both of their games against Columbus, at, and, at Columbus, Columbus and, yeah. and yeah. they played really, you know, they played really well last weekend. Um, but I think I do think they need. I mean, I, I think it would be really disappointing for a lot of fans, especially the ones who maybe aren't as like aren't as like plugged into the team like anyone who's a diehard is 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 beyond excited tonight uh, yeah. that they won but i think for the more casual fans maybe the more like you know they're my i follow i follow the union because i'm a philly sports fan it, it maybe it maybe it needs to be a little more um it may, the playoffs maybe have a little heavier weight i mean it's just I, such an it's such a stupid american thing isn't yeah, it, it really like, is. playoffs you know yeah. So, yeah, yeah and so but i do think in, in terms of like capturing the, the you know, sort of capturing the, the audience that they want to capture. I do think it's important for them to make a run and for them to host MLS cup would be enormous, even with like yeah. 2,500 people or, or if there's no fans by then. Yeah, I, was, right. I was talking to someone tonight, you know, like yeah, almost have to like, if they host MLS cup and if, you know, by then we can have still have fans in the stands at all. Um, but I do, you know, I think, you know, because I thought about this, like, uh, you know, I, I used to say, I used to say for a while, like, if they're going to qualify for Champions League, you know, they need, need to actually win something. So I'm glad, you know, because they like already won Champions League, but like, or got into Champions yeah. League. Um, <laughs> but it would be stupid. It's like your path to qualification was like you were <laughs> the second, con- you were in the other conference and the dude, the team above you was Canadian. Like, that yeah. stupid, you know, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. you know, if Arsenal fans, like, yeah, if they, they were, like, fifth place and got in because the team ahead of them wasn't able to qualify. Yeah, because, like, uh, burnt something happened with, like, Burnley or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so from that, but, yeah, I don't think this season's a failure if they don't win MLS Cup. In fact, I would yeah. be surprised if they do. There's, you know, how many teams have won both? Uh, it's not many. Not a lot. Well, listen, we're going to get greedy now. We got one trophy and we want two. The sky is the limit for yeah, the. Yeah, but you uh, also don't want to be the Seattle Seattle uh, um, Seattle Mariners, right? Winning 116 games and then. Uh, <laughs> we're the pulling out team. all the. We're going deep here. We're pulling out the Mariners. <laughs> we're talking about the Ottoman Empire. I mean, you know, we're going deep on. Uh, it's always soccer in Philadelphia. Well, listen, man. I'm. Uh, it was great to talk about the first trophy in Philadelphia Union history. Thank you for joining me on the podcast as always, and. Uh, Matt Ralph at the Brotherly Game. Follow him on Twitter. I'm going to try to do this off the top of my head. Matt Ralph underscore TBG. Is that what it is? Yep. Yeah. Everybody who's probably listening is probably already following you anyway. So there you go. And you would have done that. They would have done that if the first two episodes. Um, Matt, thanks for joining me as always, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Awesome. All right. Well, that'll do it. Your town, your team, your Philadelphia Union are world champions. As Chase Utley once said.